All right. So I wanted to, oh, I guess I should say hi. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Shane. <laughs> um, if, if things sound a little bit different from us, we are recording from our collective homes. Um, you can hear background noise here and there. We also have Liza with us. Hi, Liza. Hey, guys. Okay. So today I want to talk about dirt and being dirty. Um, what's the What's the dirtiest thing you've ever done? What's like the dirtiest you think you've ever been? <laughs> I've been backpacking for two weeks without showering. Oh, really. yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't even dirty backpacking. I wasn't even thinking about like grody dirty. I was thinking about legit dirt. Oh, like like. Oh like, no! But I'm I'm just fascinated mud by covered. this. Where yeah, were you? Yeah, my hair. My hair in Colorado, my hair was like a, just came out. It was like, it was like matted clump mm. by the end. Oh, so disgusting. That's not good. Um, in the current, in the current situation, as we're all at home quarantining currently, yeah. um, Richard, my boyfriend, um, isn't showering so often. So oh. that's been an interesting situation with dirtiness. That's, I have to remind him. That's lovely. To shower. Yeah. So that's, that's also fun. <laughs> Liza, what about you? Do you have anything that pops to mind? You know, when I was a kid, our backyard from a previous owner who apparently didn't like to garden, he just created like half cement patio and half this enormous sandbox, like oh, huge, which was amazing. And I just like to dig holes. Like I think as a child, I would just <laughs> dig holes and like fill them with water or make um, like mud volcanoes using the hose. That's amazing. Just, it was like over and over, I guess I was, yeah, it was my early yeah. forays into geology. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. There you go. I was thinking, I think from... my dad thought it was disgusting. You're just like, you're sitting in a giant cat box. Well, thinking about talking about disgusting, we've talked of, I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but mine would be falling into the septic tank. We've talked oh. about that before. Oh, I believe we have. Yeah, I believe in, we in, have. In rural America, it turns out that people aren't really up to code. And so one time I fell into an open septic tank when I was in my mid-teens. Um, there's not enough bleach in the world to fix that. <laughs> Welcome to the American Geophysical Union's podcast about the scientists and the methods behind the science. These are the stories you won't read in the manuscript or hear in a lecture. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Nancy Bompy. And this is third pod from the sun. <laughs> All right. So uh, we, we said as we did recorded the intro, like we should have said quarantine edition or, yeah, <laughs> or isolation. Yeah. Uh, isolation edition. Right. Our, our, our habits are all changing, I guess, including some of our, um, our hygienic habits, as it were. Uh, I, am, I am not. Uh, I'm just as guilty in all of this as well. Uh, but actually, the reason why I was asking you all this is because we have today, uh, we talked with, um, Liza and I actually talked with a soil scientist at the AGU annual, or not AGU, excuse me, at AAAS's meeting back in February. It's the end of April now, and it seems like forever ago. That's it right. was a different time ago. It <laughs> we was were a in different Seattle. time ago. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were on planes and traveling around yeah. the country. In February, the epicenter. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we had this great opportunity to do this live interview. I'm Asperit Asafal Berhe. I'm a professor of soil biogeochemistry at the University of California, Merced. 
So Asmerit is a soil scientist and frankly, like a bit of a badass. She, uh, she started her career in political ecology, where she looked at how various war zones affected ecosystems and has, wow. yeah, I know it's ridiculous. That's um, interesting. and we actually, we'll, we'll tag this in the notes, but I actually have a story from her where she talked about this at one of our meetings. Uh, but since then she's transitioned from that to now climate and soil. And that's kind of where we started this conversation. So do you, you were saying about like soil and climate, how, how did you come to bring these things together? Like was, was soil first, was climate, like what does that, what was that progression to get you where you are today? Soil was definitely first for me. Um, I was an undergraduate soil science major um, at the University of Asmara in Eritrea before moving to the U.S. Um, and I had studied soils and particular questions about soil degradation by human activities uh, for a long period of time. Um, and then as I was starting a PhD program um, in Berkeley, um, focused in particular thinking about questions around soil use and degradation by human actions, um, I started the learning more and more about climate change. And, and we're talking about around 2000 now, um, where these topics were everywhere. Um, and I was particularly interested in thinking about the connection between soil degradation and climate change. Um, and that ended up being my PhD research. Um, and that's kind of a large part of the work that we do in my lab still is questions around that. What is your field research like? Do you get out and get dirty? Yes, we do. Um, so we're soil scientists. We like obviously thinking and, and looking at soils around the world and, and finding all sorts of um, examples of soils that occur in different parts of the world and how um, they're different in terms of their uh, physical and chemical properties, but also the microbial communities that reside in the soil. Um, uh, yeah, obviously, if you're going to do the kind of work that we do, it, it involves digging a lot of, you know, <laughs> cores, or sometimes we like pits, preferably we like pits. We dig large pits, we get inside and we, we look at the soil and we sample it. Um, and that involves getting dirty. And but we're pretty good with getting dirty. We like kind of like it. <laughs> what, does like soil in different parts of the world smell different? Does it feel different? Like oh yes, completely. Um, so soil is, around the world is very, very different depending on um, a combination of factors. So depending on what type of climatic zone we're talking about or what kind of parent rock um, the soil is formed from, um, the different influences that living communities can have and even topography um, in influencing the movement of topsoil and water um, and how long a soil has been um, basically in exposed to the elements and how long it's been changing. I've never, I've never learned as much or appreciated uh, different soils so much. And I have to ask <laughs> you, so you're very, it seems like you're very deliberate about saying soil and soil. And, and I wonder if there's like, when you tell people what you do, regardless of like the climate part, they probably in their minds are like, oh, you work with dirt, right? Mm. Uh, is there a like a jargon thing there that it's very important to say soil or do you care when folks are dirt or like what's like what goes through your head when someone's like oh you work with dirt so I'm definitely one of those soil scientists who really do not like that word the <laughs> d word um, 
And part of this is uh, because I think soil is so important and precious natural resource that's really critical for the Earth's, um, for the Earth's system and how it functions and all the roles that it plays on our behalf and maintenance of life in general on the Earth's system um, that I am very opposed to people calling it dirt. Um, so whenever I go and give uh, public lectures in particular or uh, lectures in schools with K-12 students, um, I typically ask them before I give them an, uh, you know, the official definition of soil, I typically ask them, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you're going to hear that I myself as a soil scientist is going to be um, talking to you all? And inevitably, always, the, the responses I get center around dirt, right? Um, and then I have to work um, to basically get rid of that kind of thinking <laughs> as much as, as quickly as possible. So I, I try to give them a, a, the, the dictionary definition of what that word dirt means. Um, dirt is something that's unneeded, unclean, a nuisance, something that's just troublesome that you want to get rid of, right? Like a pejorative term or soil right. hurts yeah. its feelings. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like soil is the furthest thing away from that. Um, there's literally no life in the earth system without soil. Our climate would not be maintained the way it is without soil. We won't get the kind of water amount or quality that we need without soil. It's a critical element of how we build our dwellings and infrastructure. Um, and it is also the place where we find the most abundance and diversity of life. Like there's literally nowhere else in the earth system that you could go to find the kind of abundance and diversity of life that soil has. That's a long-winded way, way of saying that. No, I really don't like that D word. No, this is good. This is good. I, I, never, uh, I never really uh, considered that. Okay. Uh, so, Nancy or, or Eliza, uh, is there anything in your uh, professional life or previous lives as researchers where folks would use like this, like like dirt versus soil, where they'd use the wrong phrase or more flippant about the word usage and it really bothered you? I don't know when I was um, doing science, but when I went to uh, journalism school, you know, you get like the grammar kind of drilled into you. You guys probably know this. Well, Liza probably does because she's like very grammarly, I feel. But <laughs> did you know that it's, do you know that it's champing at the bit? Not chomping at the bit. Oh, I didn't. Did you know that? It's champing. What the yeah. Very few people know that. What does that mean? I don't know, but it's not chomping. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have to go down a, a word wormhole after this. Uh, um, but a lot of things like that were drilled into me that, I mean, probably not to a good degree, but yes. Yeah. I remember uh, when I was in grad school, there was a scientist who studied epigenomics or something of beetles um and i don't know what epigenomics are but i do know that he got very very upset uh he got very upset when we called them bugs he would say they're not bugs they're beetles and like i will never forget entomologist strong yeah. feelings yeah he's i mean he's a rock star but yeah he'd very strong feelings uh, so, so in this interview, after we had this long discussion about dirt, and actually we cut some of it out, uh, it's great discussion, but it, we could have done an entire podcast on it. We shifted to talking about her field experiences and whether she ever had any noteworthy highs or lows. Whenever you do field work in particular, but even lab work, there's all sorts of interesting challenges and logistical nightmares that you have to deal with. Um, so my, some of my memorable uh, <laughs> events in fieldwork 
um, probably one that stands out for me is, for example, when I was a graduate student, um, I decided to do this ambitious project where I was going to figure out how fast organic carbon cycles in soil and how that varies depending on topography or the landscape. Um, and I set out um, this I set this experimental design that included digging uh, two by three holes and that are a meter deep. That's a lot of soil. Two by three meters? <laughs> Two by three meters. Oh, wow. And then a meter deep. Um, because I needed them to do the, the decomposition experiments mm -hmm. that I wanted to set up. Um, and, you know, thankfully I had a lot of friends. So I recruited 18 <laughs> friends to get out to the field with me. Um, on, And we were doing this. And we're working really hard. You can imagine how much digging that is. How, for many, people who, how many holes? So there's there was in total um, four holes of this size that we had to okay. dig. Okay. in one small catchment between 18 of us. Sure. But, but uh, it just happened to be the day that we went that it had rained recently. And <laughs> so we are, you know, digging and emptying this hole as fast as we possibly could. But we're in a hill slope. So water keeps coming. Oh, and no. <laughs> so we're not just getting dirty. We're getting very muddy. Yeah. And... Um, so there's interesting challenge like that. But looking back at it now, some, I don't know, 13, 14 years after this experiment was done, it was a very smart thing to do. <laughs> rain would have, not having rain would have been helpful, but um, at that time at least, um, but it was interesting. And so there's interesting challenge like that that you have to, um, to, to deal with. Um, Looking back, we just laugh about it, right? Yeah. Um, and thankfully, uh, we, we were all excited about the project and to help one another. So this was possible. How do you convince your 18 friends, like, we're going to go dig some holes. It's going to be really yeah. fun. I'll buy all, you some pizza. Right. Are these all other grad students who understand that, like, resources are limited and I help you, you help me? Or Basically, exactly <laughs> that. Uh, graduate students and postdocs, uh, some of them from uh, my advisors lab, some of them uh, friends around campus, um, and, a, and a couple from a nearby research institution that we knew. But all of them are um, either graduate students and postdocs in different fields in earth and environmental sciences or working on this topic. So they <laughs> did understand the challenge, and, and they did appreciate what I was trying to do, which is helpful, obviously. <laughs> and Tell them it's CrossFit. But yeah. now I have yeah. pictures many years later to show of how dirty we got and, and how interesting that day was. But yeah, you just basically help each other and uh, the cost of, to me is just the cost of sandwiches for lunch yeah. and snacks and that's really it. And did, the, uh, did the design work? It like, worked. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, it led to multiple papers. Oh, <laughs> all right. So that's worth nice all that whole thing. Yeah, especially, yeah, yeah, that's especially three papers that it became oh, an wow. integral part. It was, in hindsight, it was not a bad idea. It was a really good one, but it was not easy. I can definitely relate to this idea of bribing lab mates for food. Uh, when I was a grad student, I did a lot of my field work at this field station in Memphis in the middle of the summer, and it's a gajillion degrees. And so usually we would start really early in the season, like February, and go till June, so we missed the worst parts of the summer. Um, but one of my lab mates didn't quite have his act together, and so he started in May and ended up going through August, where we had an entire month where it didn't get below 100 degrees. And I was kind enough to assist him, but the trade-off was that every single morning we'd get up at like five in the morning before dawn and we'd go to this biscuit place and he'd buy me a ham and cheese biscuit sandwich every single morning for about a month. 
And I helped him and he was very happy for that. But on the flip side of it, I think I gained a little bit of weight that summer <laughs> <laughs> just from being bribed by, uh, by this sandwich. Yum. Ham and cheese biscuit sounds good. Oh, uh, yeah. It was. <laughs> it, 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 frankly, it was worth it. I, I hate summer, but I, I will definitely say it paid off. Uh, OK, so so back to the interview. So as we uh, finish up, we have a few more minutes. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is so soil, climate, the, the intersection there. Do you have any like practical advice as to how like we kind of the royal we could do things to like mitigate climate change or, or whatever the word choice you want to use from a soil perspective? Yeah, and I think a lot I do, and I think a lot of this um, starts with educating ourselves about how um, the Earth system really functions in, as a connected system where the different pieces are um, interrelated to one another and they actually influence one another. So what we do in soil matters for climate and what we do with the climate system also has implications for soil and it all feeds back basically in a cycle. So if we're going to think about climate change, um, I think there are a couple of things we have to do right one obviously most importantly we need to think about reducing emissions and I do not want to bring any question about um, carbon sequestration and soil uh, ahead of reducing emissions I think that has to be clear um, the but once we think about reducing emissions or at the same time that we're doing that then we have to think about how do we capture some of that carbon dioxide that's continuously making it into the atmosphere um, and make it possible for it to enter the terrestrial system so the bio biomass um, in vegetation for example and preferably in soil um, and and that's really important and key towards uh, to our climate future uh, because if we can do that, if we could do both these things, then we now have a real shot of not just reducing the rate at which carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere or greenhouse gas concentration is increasing, but we actually have a, a, a shot at bending the curve and even going below um, the current levels of, of, of greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere. And this includes the, the practices that we mentioned earlier, right? Reducing the disturbances that cause large amounts of carbon um, to be released from soil to the atmosphere, including uh, practicing conservation agriculture, regenerative agriculture, if you will, um, and, um, and making sure that we're not tilling the soil um, as much as it's currently being tilled, um, putting back forests whenever possible, putting back grasslands whenever possible, um, depending on which part of the world and which kind of climate envelope we're talking about, um, there's a balance between whether it's forests or grasslands that are favored, um, and both can help with carbon sequestration under the right environmental conditions, in particular with the right management. So thinking about both natural and working lands uh, from the perspective of managing them in a climate smart manner to increase the amount of carbon stored in soil is key. Along with that has to come with reduced use of agricultural chemicals. Um, we have to figure out a way um, to reverse the current trend of high rates of erosion that are that's occurring globally and the high rates of soil degradation. Um, and doing so has um, the important benefits of not just improving soil health for the sake of climate, but also improving soil health in a way that will make positive contributions towards providing food and nutrients uh, for the growing human population. Mm -hmm. Great. So well, I'm hearing we want to put carbon back 
where it can do good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I love that. This is great. I'll, I'll think about uh, climate solutions differently. And instead of, yeah, looking kind of up into the sky and thinking about gases and pollutants, think about what the, the earth can do for us and, and the soil. All right, folks. Well, that's all from Third Pod from the Sun. Thanks so much to Shane and Liza for bringing us this story and to Asmaret for sharing her work with us. This podcast was produced and mixed by me. Great. <laughs> Thanks, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and if you love this podcast, which I am sure you do, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, thirdpodfromthesun.com. And keep listening. Yeah. Thanks all. And we'll see you next time. Bye.